bottom, hock tock bottom, boo boo boo, hock tock bottom, hock tock bottom, boo boo boo, hock tock bottom. Uh, David, I'm assuming you're familiar with fantasy football. Uh, you are assuming incorrectly. I I am aware of its existence and know nothing about it. That's all you need. That's all you need to know is there is an existence and people draft things, right? Okay. That's based okay. on on the real football. <laughs> Um, okay. So we're going to kind of do a draft of like, um, we'll, we'll do a very simple one. We'll do actors. Okay. All right. Top, top actors. But how it's going to go, since you're our guest, I'm going to go first. And since I brought up the category, I'll go last. We'll do a snake draft is what they call it. Okay. okay. So you go first, then Al, then I go okay. twice, then Al. Then you'll go twice, and Al, and so on until we have five. Okay. Okay. So you'll just say your number one, and then go on. My number one actor draft? Yes. All right. So the goal of the draft is to try to pick people that would be highly sought after very first. You know, you want the top of the top at the beginning, and maybe um, less top of the top at the end. And then if you choose someone, let's say you choose because um, it's probably going to be choosing by one of us, Ethan Hawke, of course. And sure. if you do, then none of us can take it. Okay, got it. I, I will do my best. All right. And then it'll be up to our uh, listeners, the few of them that we have. But to be honest, since you're our semi, you know, uh, even if it might be uh, a C-list celebrity, this will probably be our biggest views. Dude, don't, don't take that from me. <laughs> <clears throat> in your hearts, in our hearts, you're an, you're an A-list actor. Oh, of course. <laughs> Means a lot to me. Um, well, yeah, let's, let's break into it. All right. Are we, Quince, are we, are we using actor as the term for male actors, or are we saying female? Yeah, let's do actors, male actors. We'll do yeah. an actresses another time. Okay. All right, David, who, who are you going to pick first? Uh, man, number one, I'm sitting here thinking, uh, I, I don't know why, but uh, let's go Denzel. Ooh. Ooh, such a good one. What's on my list? Um, I am going to go with... Shoot, Adam Driver. Nice. Okay, bubbles. I got two. I'm taking Tom Cruise, my number one. Craziest stunts. I love that man. Um, I will watch any film he's in. And then number two, let's do Ethan Hawk. I got to take it if no one's taking it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you took Tom Cruise. I'm going to take Tom Hanks. Also on my list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Man, so you'll do your two and three. My two and three. Why am I drawing such a freaking blank, man? Just think uh, of some of your favorite movies of all time, and then just yeah. Them. Um, my favorite movie of all time is Network, but it's it's not representative of uh, a single actor's performance. Let's say um, <laughs> Justin Timberlake did just stand out to you. <laughs> Oh, sorry. That's social network. Um, oh, okay. Network is network is from the seventies, and it's uh, 
anyway um let's go dang it i just had one uh i'll take bill murray Oh, yeah. Um, get another one. I, I think he's kind of underrated in uh, in his range. Um, Bill Murray and oh my gosh, man, I am blowing it. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Ooh, that's a good one. <clears throat> Okay, that's my, um, this is my third. I'm gonna take. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm. Yeah. Okay. That's good. That's that's a very good one. That's, okay. I, I, I gotta throw someone comedy in there. Um, I'm gonna throw in Steve Martin. Uh, for for my number three. Um, and then. Okay. Threat. Uh, and then number four. Um, even though I do like Adrian Brody a lot, I also like his younger brother, um, Adam Brody. Uh, even though he doesn't, he's not as big as Adrian Brody. I just like him a lot. I I have never been disappointed with his performances, even no matter how small. Right on. Um, this one is like a shout out more to, uh, people who play video games, but he's still an actor. Uh, Troy Baker. He's a voice oh, yes. actor. Childish Gambino. Uh, oh, wait, no, am I saying what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Donald Glover. Donald Glover is Childish Gambino. Yes, yeah. but he plays he, Troy Baker. <laughs> That's what I mean. oh. Troy. Troy. Got it, got it, got it. In, yeah, in community. Is is that who you were going for? No, I'm going for Troy Baker, who is he's a voice actor. He he's done he does a uh, bunch of games. Uh, a lot of like big PlayStation games and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You've heard of The Last of Us? From which one? Uh, have you ever heard of the game The Last of Us? It's a zombie yes, one. one. Yeah, so he he was one of the uh, main characters, the lead characters in the first game. Okay. Um, okay, so it's back to me. Yep. Yes. So you're gonna pick now, your fourth, and on your fifth, you're going to pick something, maybe a best worst actor. <laughs> yeah. Fifth is is a uh, in the football industry. We might. I like to say that the kicker. You know, he's not always the most important, but sometimes he's a wild shot that ends up scoring. All right. All right. So it's a serious option. Um, Let's go, Jake Gyllenhaal. Mm, yeah, that's um, a good. I forget. Yeah, I feel like for as much cred as he gets, he's still somehow kind of underrated. Um, like he he really kills. Like I don't know if you guys have seen Nightcrawler, but that's yeah. uh, it's a great great movie. Um, and then somebody who's kind of not, so maybe not a throwaway necessarily but uh i don't know you don't necessarily think of them let's let's go jonah hill oh yeah yeah i can i can definitely see that one being the list i'm gonna also kind of go the comedy route but they like really excel when they do a good drama instead um and i'm gonna pick adam sandler yeah strong 
Yeah. Uh, did you see that new? I don't even remember what it's called. His new basketball movie on Netflix. The Rocky that isn't Rocky. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Except it's it's more focused on the, you know, if you want to continue on with the Rocky analogy, uh, Adam Sandler is in the role of Mickey. Um, <laughs> so it's it's like about the coach's experience of trying to motivate. Uh, this guy who obviously has talent, but is just afraid to let himself excel. Isn't that guy on the jazz? Yes, he is. Okay. And or, or basketball is something I definitely don't follow either. Like, yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, for my final number five, I'm going to, I'm going B list. Uh, I'm going with um, Bruce Campbell. Yeah. Can't say I'm familiar. Uh, he's in he's Spider-Man at... movies. <laughs> he's Evil yeah. Dead. He's in like every Sam Raimi film. He's got a, a big chin. Um, I'm gonna oh. be just googling you... while while we're talking here. I was gonna yeah. say, did you see the new Doctor Strange movie? I did not. Okay. Keep it that way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you could. <laughs> I'm like, that's the latest reference I could think of. <laughs> Right on, yeah. yeah no, I'm I'm looking at him. He's not ringing a visual bell for me, but so be it. Yeah, if you've he ever seen, Dead, he's the guy who like chops off his hand and like wears the big old uh, chainsaw on his wrist. So. Yeah. Okay. Good. Now we're in the we're in the zone. We're a little bit more in the zone. I've got one more game for for you guys to play, and I'll, I'll be the moderator on this one. <laughs> Okay, this is one I'm, I've stolen it from another podcast. I won't necessarily uh, include it here, but just keep you guys a little bit more limber talking about movies. It's called Build the Perfect Movie. Okay, so what you're going to do is you're going to try to combine two movies. We have a, a topic. Uh, we're, we'll start off with a with comedies. So you're trying to find the perfect comedy movie. So what you are going to do, I'm going to you're going to give me your first movie. I will tell you what the Rotten Tomatoes score is, you're going to try to get as close to 100 without going over. So you're going to get your first movie, you'll find out your score, let's say you're at 50% with the first one, then you're going to be shooting for 50 or less for the second one. Make sense? Like Blackjack. Right, like Blackjack. Price is right rules. Alright, perfect. So, So we're going to start off, it's a comedy... And so that means both your movies need to be comedies. And since, David, you went first the first game, uh, Quince, go first. We're going off of critic rating, right? Yes, we are going off of critics' ratings. Okay. I'm going to go with, you got to go with one like horrible and one semi-good. So I'm going to go with Beverly Hills Ninja, because we need uh, some Chris Farley. All right. And I'm pulling up a score for that one. And David, what is yours? Uh, I'll start at what I imagine is the top. Uh, It is certainly my favorite comedy. I'll go Big Lebowski. Big Lebowski. Okay. I I thought we were like, I was going to shoot out two and see who could get closer to 100. No, no, no. So you, you're going to do one at first. That way you can find out what your score is at first. So uh, for Beverly Hills Ninja, that's a 14%. Okay, so you got, you can go for just about anything here. You need about 86 more percent here. And uh, for Big Lebowski, 
All right, we've got an 83% here, okay? Not as high as I'd like to hear, but you know, so be it. But you do still have to you still have to do a second movie. So, you can't go over 100 here. Okay. All right. So, Quint, since you have more to make up in this, I'll have you go first. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with uh, let's get some Christmas spirit and go elf. Okay. All right. And what are, what are you going to go for, David? So, I was at 83. Yeah, 83. Okay. Uh, just simply hearing Chris Farley's name did trigger the memory of a movie that was universally unloved. I don't know the Rotten Tomato score, but uh, let's throw out Almost Heroes. Almost Heroes. Okay. All right. So, 83 with your with Big Lebowski, Almost Heroes. It is a five. So you're still you're 88. That's a pretty good score. That's pretty close to 100. It's a good movie. Quint, you started off with a 13. You were going for 86. Elf is an 85%. You got 99. Dang, dude. Yeah. I got my All right. Good winner, job. winner. Do you guys want to play one more time? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. okay. Uh, uh, let's I'll, I'll, change I'll, it up I'll, a little bit. You want me to run it? Uh, no, no, no. I, uh, I'll, I'll oh. keep running. Um, let's. We're, we're a podcast, okay? So we need to we need to have at least one of your movies has to include Ethan Hawke in it. Okay, I'm gonna go with uh, um, Dead Poet Society. My favorite Ethan Hawke movie. Okay. Do we get to know the score of the first one again? Yeah, you you will get to know the the score of the first one. All right. Good Quint. Game. I've got that one, and for you, David. Uh, I'm assuming that this did pretty well, but maybe not like through the roof well, like Dead Poet Society. Uh, let's go Training Day. Great one. It's a great movie. I just don't know if like how it how it land on Rotten Tomatoes. Well, it did win an Academy. Fair enough. That doesn't Rotten Tomatoes is a different beast. That's, That's true. true. All right, so contrary, I think this, I think Training Day is like a perfect 100, but uh, critics gave it a 73%. See, that's what I'm saying. I also love Training Day, but I'm often, you know, you look at something on Rotten Tomatoes that you love and it's got like a 60. It's like, people are dumb. So, whatever. Okay, uh, Quince, on the other hand, Dead Poet Society, 84%. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, so uh, Quince, you need a 16% with your next movie. And wh- Again, what genre you, again? I don't, no genre. You just had to have Ethan Hawke in one of the movies. So, okay. So uh, we I'm got looking for a 14. 84. Yeah, so you're um, 16. Trying to get 100 or less. I'm going to go with Bubba Hotep. Let's go with uh, Bruce Campbell's movie. Going for a low number. Okay. This is where Bruce Campbell plays Elvis, and um, who says he's the real deal, and the the Elvis who died was an impersonator. <laughs> is it worth watching? Oh, it's it's great. Yeah, because um, oh, what is his name from um, the 
I'm getting too old for this. Uh, what is his name? Danny Glover. Uh, Danny Glover is supposed to be playing JFK uh, because he was shot in the head and they put a metal plate and changed his skin color. <laughs> <laughs> and they're, they're trying to get away from the boogeyman in the old nursing home. All right. That sounds good. All right. Quince, I have yours. And uh, David, what do you want to go with your 73%? I will go with a movie that sounds like an Ethan Hawke movie, but is not, um, and features a Can't Stop, Won't Stop song, and the movie was not good. Uh, It's called Midnight Sun, starring Patrick Schwarzenegger and Bella Thorne. To be honest, I didn't know uh, you had other uh, movies. I thought Bad Guys was your first. Yeah, I mean, Bad Guys is the first that, like, anybody's actually going to watch. Yeah. (laughs) I know you had posted, I think, like some other movie trailer that had your song on it. Or yeah, maybe- we've had some commercial placements in the past. Um, again, you know, I I think that I think Bad Guys is the first like international release that we've been involved in. Oh, um, nice. Midnight Sun was garbage, and <laughs> the way they used our song was also garbage. So. Man, that, that's rough. That's all good. I mean, it was I could a, talk about that on a whole different level. Uh, <laughs> I just watched a, DC Super Pets, and they used a great song, I think, by the Chemical Brothers. Yeah, but they yeah. just like ruined it. Like, <laughs> it did not go well with the scene. And I'm like, what is this? Yeah, I mean, they don't, music supervisors don't always nail it. Um, in our case, in Midnight Sun, they were juxtaposing two uh, high school parties. One was an awesome party, and one was a lame party. And oh. our song was playing at the lame party. No. <laughs> so, whatever. I- I'm happy to be the soundtrack for those dorks and take take the money. And for what it's worth, I don't think that the uh, the song that got played at the cool party, I bet they didn't make uh, more money than us on the on the sync fee. So, oh, uh, whatever. All right, let, let's finish this one up. I then I want to. I actually do want to ask you some more questions um, about your music and whatnot. But we'll do sure. Ethan Hawke stuff first. Um, all right, Midnight Sun got a twenty percent. So you're sitting at 93%. Okay. That's not Ooh, bad. Nicely done. Thank you, sir. Bubba Hotep has a 79% on Rally. What? 79 <laughs> on the critic score. The people have spoken. You went over the movie. <laughs> I just think it was like not that um, known. And so he was going to have a little sm- much smaller. Um, think that's where you went wrong see i think because it had fewer people watching it it probably has an audience who was kind of looking for it and kind of wanting the the weird b movie that you're describing with it and so i think that they ended up liking it okay all right thanks for playing this game i think we are sufficiently ready Okay, well, uh, 
everyone listening in. My name is Queens Van Orden. This is Hawk Talk with my co-host Al, and we have a special guest, David F. Mann. Um, I, I don't know how you want to go by David <laughs> Peterson. or I'll go by David F. That's fine. <laughs> okay. Which I've always wanted to ask about that. Um, Feel free. Uh, why is it EFF? And is it like, you know, when you stub your toe and you're like, ow! It is exactly that. So <laughs> when I was at BYU, I mean, that's how all my non-cursing friends would spell the F word. Um, my middle name begins with F. Uh, and I don't know, one day that just occurred to me that that would be a funny thing to put on Facebook. And for whatever reason, it stuck almost immediately as a nickname. Like people just grabbed it and it was like, all right, I I don't hate the ring to it. You know, um, what what does your grandma think of it? Uh, my grandma is cool with it. Especially because, um, so my middle name is actually Far, and that was her last name. Um, so I think she was just stoked to have some representation uh, for the Fars out in the world. And also, it's very unlikely that she had any idea what it meant. So <laughs> it's a tongue-in-cheek F word. That's all it is. When I was in culinary school in St. Louis, I would always, anytime I burned my hand, I'd be like, "Ass!" Oh. And, um, you know, St. Louis is not full of LDS people. And so they always, uh, my whole school thought it was funny because it's just a very small school. And so no matter the class, they'd always, whenever they see me, they'd be like, "Ass!" Oh. Yep. So, so I get that. You feel me. Uh, one person even said it in their um, graduation speech. So I guess hey, I feel great to be quoted. <laughs> At the end of their speech, they just said, F. Really? There's no around with it. They just F and looked at you. Oh, well, I, I think they said it just, and everyone else in there in the graduating class like knew what it was and all cheered. And so that's awesome. <laughs> Very good. A great way to be memorialized, you know. Yes. Well, David, we didn't just be here so that we can we could talk about your middle name. We came here to talk about our our favorite actor, Ethan Hawke. And so, with this, we're not here to talk much about the movie itself, but much about Ethan Hawke and his role in it, and just talk about his scenes, not about all the other scenes. I know that that's a little disappointing, but this is all about him and sure. his butt. Um, we have yeah, a little theme tiny. Uh, sung by my song when I told him to sing something about Ethan Hawke, and he just it was like, Hawk Talk Bottom, Hawk Talk Bottom. So. <laughs> Does he have a particularly special backside? Ethan Hawke? No. Okay, all right. Uh, I didn't know if I just wasn't up on who's... <laughs> Keister was greatest, uh, but and I didn't tell him to say this, and he never really talks about people's bottoms, and so it's just perfect. That's great, hot talk bottom it is. So, with uh, before sunset, which that's what we're talking about. A little summary is before sunrise. Sunrise, before yeah. Sunrise, before, not before sunrise. 
sensei. Um, Al, you want to give the summary? How about that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, Before we summarize, is the first of a trilogy that uh, Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy appeared in, and it's really kind of slice of life kind of a, a story it's two people who meet on a train they get off together to um he he invites her after striking up a conversation and says hey i'm gonna just be here in um shoot i can't even remember where paris. it is I, no the second one's paris it's the first one uh he's he's getting off the train in austria or something yeah i was gonna say like somewhere german yeah, it's it's some somewhere around there. So you're we'll right, say, you're but yeah, he's he gets off and he says, "Hey, I need to get off here. I'm just gonna be kind of milling around the town. Do you want to just like see what would have what would happen if you just hang out with me?" And she decides, "Yeah, let's do it." And they just kind of proceed. They have a lot of really banal conversation back and forth. They have little run-ins with with townspeople. There's like a there's a guy who's a hobo who wants to write them a poem and get paid. A uh, palm reader. They they do a lot of stuff. It just is a very special night for them. And it just kind of feels like they're star-crossed lovers who are destined to be together. So at the end, they end up saying, let's, uh, let's not... Uh, like originally they, they talk about we're going to just keep it as like a fling. We're not going to ever talk about this ever again. We won't find each other or anything like that. And they end up saying, no wait, we do, we do want to get back together. Let's meet in six months time and see where it goes from there. And then film ends right there. Yeah. And it's so good. It is. Yeah. Okay. So for our first segment, we're going to talk about the worst scene or the worst part of Ethan that he's in. What, what didn't you like that had happened in that movie? Um, we'll start with you, David. Oh, geez. Uh, that's a... I know it's hard to say that. <laughs> well, no, it's tricky to answer because it's, it's, a, it's one of my favorite movies. So, like... You know, starting from that premise, it's like, what do I not like about it? Not very much. Um, there are some... I think the other thing about that question is that Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy are only, like, out of frame for a few minutes out of the entire uh -huh. run. It is, fo like, the camera is focused on them throughout the entire thing. So you almost can't say any scene without it being directly about about him he is he and julie are the movie yeah that's the movie it's just a it's a conversation that spans you know 18 hours or whatever um oh the worst part um i remember not being particularly enthused about the scene in the cemetery although i admittedly can't remember even what is happening there um there's there's some parts of uh, although this is not Ethan Hawke this is script stuff uh which is Richard Linklater um does he is there a part in which Ethan Hawke doesn't kill it i don't i'm not sure that there is i i know i i'm not sure that i i'm totally in 
on David's side here. I I don't think that he has a single bad moment in this whole thing. I think that even on the moments where he is maybe being a little bit disagreeable or a cynic or, you know, he's kind of like maybe downplaying something that Julie likes, that's just his character. And I, I can't even hate on any of that. So- yeah, I mean, it, it, the stuff that I don't like, it, although it's uh, few and far between on this particular movie, uh, is really mostly script based. So, you know. So- for me, I've got my stuff, I, and I understand that, and I, I might explain that in, when it comes to the, when we talk about the best scene. But for me, worst scene, I would say um, it, it, it's a tie between two. I mean, I, I understand it's a love story, and so they literally need to make love, and it's a one-night stand. Um, uh, but, you know, at the same time, I think they also could have still had a strong connection and still agreed without doing that. Um, and then the other part is the bar part where he's like, Hey, I don't have money. Can you give me your, you know, best wine so I can have the best night of my life. I, in my mind, I'm like, I wonder if, uh, someone ever tried to do that to a bar and, and the bartender is like, what are you trying to do uh, before sunrise on me? Probably. Uh, I'll tell you what, I with uh the exception of that scene, um I think there are very few things in Before Sunrise that I did not attempt uh while I was dating. It was like this is perfect. <laughs> this is exactly how I think dating ought to go. Uh oh, it should just be this needs communication and about everything and anything. I th- I think that they definitely had. Yeah, and I mean, anyway, it, it's very rosy, right? But I think I actually really fixated on that for years, this idea that, like, um, if you couldn't spend the entire night talking to someone, that it probably wasn't the thing. And when I met, when I met my wife, I was terribly disappointed to discover that she worked early in the morning and was a, a human person that had what she had to do. And uh, she would often like pass out during movies and stuff. And uh, it didn't take me long to recover from that. But I, there really was like a little moment there where it was like, man, she, like we never stay up all night talking. And it's like, yeah, no, it's because we talk during the day like adults. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, she goes to sleep because she's a working girl. Right. So anyway, but it, it's an adolescent fantasy played out for sure. Like, mm-hmm. oh gosh, this is how it has to be. I I feel the same when it comes to uh, my favorite romantic comedy, which is Say Anything. I think that the the essence or the pinnacle man for a gentleman is, uh, um. Why am I blanking on his name? Cusack? Cusack's character. Okay. Uh, in that movie. He is just uh, the perfect gentleman and what everyone should be because everyone loves him. He doesn't do the wrong thing. And yet, like many of us growing up, we didn't really know what we wanted to do. And sometimes the decisions we kind of wanted, like he wanted to be a kickboxer. But... um, uh you know, 
potential in-laws might not agree with what we want to do, but he I don't is know just still trying to figure that. things out. <laughs> As a rapper, I've never encountered any <laughs> static from in-laws or girls that I was dating. It was, everyone was cool with it. <laughs> exactly, Daisy. Nobody said anything about like you wearing like giant clocks on your chest or. <laughs> I I don't know what the concern. I think the concerns actually were all fairly legit. Uh, so when when they occurred, uh, my in laws actually have never said anything negative about it. Like, I think they were just impressed that I was making a living doing something so strange. Um, but in my dating career if I may call it that, all the time. It was like, how are you going to provide? And it was like, I'm doing good. Like, <laughs> I promise I'm, I'm doing just fine. Like, you know, I, I'm not a lawyer, but I'm, I'm a hustler and I figure things out. <laughs> yeah. Relax. Yeah. Uh, so you, they, we, like, we meandered off topic here pretty Yeah, let's, do, let's do it, get back into it. So okay. this one's for you, Al. Is... Is what Ethan Hawke does a believable job? <laughs> so is he guess is believable as being a broke student? Exactly. <laughs> does he pull that off? Um. Yeah. Absolutely. Hundred and ten percent. I. You took a pause there, and it gave me concern. It was like, are you kidding? Like he's the perfect vagabond boy. I just love him in the movie. And and the, and even when he into the next film he he does still have that persona of like i wrote one bestseller and oh, you know nothing else going on for me it's so good they're all so good uh although i would say that for me the trilogy very slightly descends in quality over over the span of all three movies like the first one is just a triumph and the next two are like all right Good. I wanted to see how that played out. Um, but Quince is this about me. So I'm, I actually made Quince um, earlier in, in our podcasting time. Uh, we didn't even, we recorded an episode. We didn't actually even air it, but I made him watch the middle movie very first because that's my favorite one. Oh, really? Yes. And I yeah, think that get together. It. I mean, again, it's very solid, but it's, uh, to me, it's like Rocky two versus Rocky. Like, yeah, all right. It's cool to see him win, but I don't know. There's something so cool about him just going the distance, you know, like, yeah, um, uh, there's definitely a different kind of payoff in, in both of them. Like, whereas this one, it's like, oh, maybe they could be like star crossed lovers. And like, you're hoping kind of out of just sheer hope that like, oh, could they, could they make it happen? They, they seem to have this spark between them and will it last but i felt like the middle one they just you can just see this like yearning between the two of them like they both just really want to stay together and spend as much time and like whereas in the first movie he has like he has nowhere to go he's just like yeah i'm just like hanging out and she's just like sure i'm i'm here but in the second one he's like i have to go but I'm going to like try to delay it over and over and over. And like at the very end, 
she's like, you're going to miss your flight. And he's like, I like, well, she keeps saying that. And he's like, no, no, we'll, we'll just like do this one thing. It, it'll be super quick. Alone, baby. just like, you've, you're missing your plane. He's like, I know. And I just like, Oh, I smile. And I get so happy with that. part. It's very good. I think there was something about, uh, before sunrise ending on such a bleak, like heart wrenching kind of note that really jived with my like early 20 sensibilities of love and everything. It was just like, that's how it really feels. It feels that way all the time. Like it just, anyway, <laughs> uh, I needed that at the time. And, uh, I should probably go back and watch the second one because, you know, maybe I'd prefer Rocky too these days. And I haven't seen the third yet. It's yes. good. You're, you're in for a treat with that one. Quince. Um, here's the other thing about uh, probably, and I'm glad that I I did like two internships in Paris. So like some of the streets that they were like walking down in the second movie just felt. Oh, so, yeah. oh man, I love this place, and like it just felt like the kind of view of Paris that I just feel like everybody should see, rather than like the touristy version that is like in sure. Mission Impossible or whatever, where it's just like, oh, here's the Louvre, and here we're coming up on the the Arc de Triomphe and here's all these things. And it's like, uh, but it's Paris is more than that. Well, that's okay. what Richard Linklater is just a freaking phenom at, right? Like dazed and confused feels so much like my high school experience, even though it ostensibly took place, you know, three decades earlier or two decades earlier, whatever it is. It's like, huh, how did he just nail what it feels like to just be bumming around with your buddies in high school all the time. Like, all right. All right. All right. Yeah, yeah. Like everybody's just driving from one thing to the next, trying to figure out like, is there some possibility I will be making out with someone tonight? Like, <laughs> you know, and most of them pretty unsuccessful at it. Um, anyhow, he's okay. very, very good at that. guys. Now the part, the best scenes. Uh, or the best scene of Ethan. Now, for me, because we've already talked about how he is phenomenal throughout the whole film, I think that's kind of my answer. Is the general vibe is that he's a total dork. I think I told Al this the first time when watching it, is that I love how much of a dork he is. Um, and that's just what I get from Ethan Hawke. And, uh, and, Throughout the whole series, I guess, and probably the third one, he's still a big dork. Dork, how? Because again, just, man, if I could have traded place with any <laughs> soul, like it, it, it's not I like a nerd that. like myself, just a he, he, where he leads this conversation in my mind with my high school background of sometimes some of my friends would just go on to these like weird rants about different things. I'm like, you're such a dork in that aspect. Um, and he, he's, he's excited about some of the things he talks about and that aspect of his dorkiness. He, he's um, not embarrassed with his opinion because sometimes dorks are not embarrassed with their opinions of things. And so I guess that's what I'm going with. All right. Okay. The general vibe that you think he's a nerd. Um, not, not like your, your typical superhero nerd. 
but just a lovable dork. <laughs> that's that. That's the word I'm going with. I'll take it. Um, here, I want to see if I find something real quick, uh, and I'll I won't uh, delay too long here. But it, there's a Jack Kerouac quote that you are probably familiar with, uh, and, and I'm not trying to to bicker with you at all. Your I, your opinion is valid, um, but. Uh, the the Kerouac quote is the only people for me are the mad ones, the ones who are mad to live, mad to talk, mad to be saved, desirous of everything at the same time, the ones who never yawn or say a commonplace thing, but burn, 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 like fabulous yellow Roman candles exploding like spiders across the stars. Which I say that in full cognizance of the fact that I sound perhaps a little like Ethan Hawke's character right now. However, that's my favorite thing is, and I never find people dorky that uh, are super, super into their thing. Um, I have a buddy who like, again, uh, I don't mean dork in a bad connotation as some other times people do. I mean it in a good connotation because I was a nerd and a dork in a way growing up. (laughs) So don't hurt Ethan. Okay. I love him. Never. That's the whole point of this podcast is we love them so much. Right on. Well, all right. I don't know, Al, if it's if you've got one ready, I, I do. Um, um the uh the scene at the record store. I mean, it, it's so good. And Julie Delpy's just as good as him in the whole movie, but uh in that scene. There is so much freaking tension in that booth where they're oh. listening to that song and there are no lines. It's mm-hmm. just acting like they barely like are acknowledging each other. They're trying to not make eye contact and pretend that they're really invested in this song. But, you know, they're realizing that the song is speaking to their experience in that moment in such a way that it's like... It's brutal. And, I, you know, everybody's been there where it's like, man, I do not know what to say in this moment. I am just so enamored of this person that I'm sitting next to. Um, and he's very coy and, you know, smiling, borderline laughing, trying to play it cool, but absolutely can't play it cool. Anyway. That's his um, dorkiness. I love it. His dorkiness. Yeah, man. I, I'm... I'm with it. I know what you mean now. Yeah, that's that's my favorite scene by pretty long shot, I would say. It's a great scene. Yeah, you can you can really see how much they're really trying to avoid looking at each other, but they like they they know at that point that they're like, "Oh, man, I really want to kiss him or kiss her." It's brutal. Yeah. It's brutal. <laughs> so good. Um I I actually I want to pick their little meet cute. You know, they're on the train. He like starts talking with her and oh man, I just, I love that the way that they are both so effortlessly uh, just having a, a great little conversation about the most random of things right at that moment. You know, they're at they're. I think that this is what's interesting is that they're watching a couple argue at the very beginning of, of the whole trilogy and 
in the third one, Quince, a little bit of a spoiler for you is that they do a lot of arguing in the in the third one and kind of come off at like that couple. But that that what I like about that scene is that it makes me kind of almost wonder like if there could be like a spin-off of of the third one where you could have some some other couple who is like sitting nearby them who is like commenting on their on, on cool their and stuff like that and start their own little love thing anyways i nice okay yeah. for the sake of time we normally would do a few more things about talk talk um but we we do want to move into the bad guys about music and about you and your movie, your music getting into the movies as well. Um, just last aspect, how was his butt? Hawk's butt? Yep. Top notch, baby. <laughs> so I, I, I watched it last night. I wasn't not paying too close attention to the actual visuals so much since I was uh, doing another task at the same time. I was just kind of looking over every so often because I've seen this a couple, several times before. Every time uh, you look is just as bad. No, I, like I, and so then today I was looking, I was scrolling through trying to see if you could really ever see his butt in the whole film. And you really can't. Like, but you know it's good though. It's probably good. There, I mean, clearly there's a butt shown off camera at the, uh, at the park. Yeah, in the park, but at least I would hope so. Yeah, well, yeah, you gotta. <laughs> that's the the right way to do it, but um, you know who knows? Scruffy freaking dork, right? Scruffy dork, I like it. Okay, so um, actually, I wanna I wanna bring up some stuff about uh, the bad guys. So yeah. I had I had no connection to your music prior to seeing the bad guys but i watched that that movie i it was just like something that like appealed to me uh sam rockwell is like another actor who i like hold in like high esteem with yeah, with he's off the dark. he's he he only does great roles um, and so I was, was that that he's a if tom hanks is america's dad he's america's best stepdad um yeah. mentor <laughs> yeah He's American's, so, yeah, gnarly I, uncle. <laughs> he's the uncle who, like, will pass you a beer or, like, be like, hey, why don't we smoke a joint together? <laughs> so good, man. Um, so I, I watched that movie. I thought the the chase scene, the chase sequence was so great. And then Quince tells me, oh, hey, my friend wrote, like, wrote the song that happens in this chase scene. And I loved it. I loved it. It goes so oh, it is like the, it is the right amount of like just so happening in the song. I don't know how to describe it. It's just like it's blaring, but it's a fun kind of song that I would actually want to like that I would want in my in a chase sequence of myself if I ever get in one. Sure. I have like three songs so far that I'm like, oh yeah, these are these are the songs that I want in like my getaway chase. Oh man, that'd be so dope to actually like hear that somebody was in a honest to goodness getaway chase and listening to Stop Drop Roll. That would that would blow my mind even more than the the placement in the movie. 
how did you get contacted to put that that they wanted to put your song in there so the director pierre parafel um knew the song from uh youtube videos that it had been used in so super tramp that's yeah that's, super tramp was a big one um that's how i knew you to be honest yeah yeah i mean it's how most people do it, it was a, a solid marketing effort um so al for a little background i would um for years i offered just free license to any youtuber that would credit me in their content um mm. and through doing that i was able to lock down placements on pretty big channels um and have something like six billion you know plays on my songs in the background of things on youtube so pierre heard it i believe in uh devin's video um devin super tramp quince brought up but um yeah, they contacted me several years before the movie came out. And um, anyway, I thought that was... Anyway, I, there was a lot about the experience that was different than what I kind of expected uh, uh, as to how that whole thing would play out. But... Um, Tell you, like, any like how they were going to use it do they ever have like I, I assume they probably don't have to tell you how they want to use it but they actually kind of do um so they don't have to give you all the nitty-gritty they certainly don't have to give you the scripts but um there is there are a couple different kinds of uh song usages um and basically the when they're pricing out what they're going to pay you for the for the usage of the song the two criteria that they look look at are okay what is the popularity of the song right is this post malone or imagine dragons or someone enormous um and then how prominent is it going to be in the scene like is it playing in the background at some nerdy party or are the characters going to be singing it um so you've seen this the sequence and obviously the shark jumps right up out of the car and starts singing along so we hit a hundred percent on the prominence thing. Um, and then popularity, you know, I tried to make the best case for us that I could like, look, you know, we're not the biggest band in the world, but the song already has, you know, two and a half million plays on Spotify. Like it, it's not nothing. Um, mm -hmm. you know, it made it across your desk, even though we're not signed to any record label or publisher. Um, so yeah, it, they reached out to me on LinkedIn weirdly. Um, and I, at the time I never checked LinkedIn. Um, and it happened in this little five minute window that I was on there, like, you know, responding to friend requests or whatever they're even called connections. Um, and I got a message from Vicki Jacobs at NBC universal. And she said, do you control the copyright for stop, drop, roll? And I said, yeah. Is this like universal universal? Like what are we talking about? So anyway, over the next couple of years, the the conversation meandered a little bit. Like COVID happened in the middle of it. Um but we got to go down to the premiere and I wish I had known this going in 
to my negotiations because <laughs> I, I already think I was fairly aggressive uh, about it. But if I had known this, I would have I would have stuck to my guns at higher numbers. But the director Pierre, after the movie, uh, you know, we chatted for just a minute, and he said, you know, wasn't it great? I have been storyboarding that scene with that song in mind for like four or five years. It was like, oh, that's amazing. So it was never going to be any song other than that. That's <laughs> my like, compliment. Like, yeah, I don't, if you know him really well, yeah, he writes several of his movies with particular songs in mind. And he's like, these are, we just have to get these licenses because I wrote, the script with these songs and wow oh, yeah, man. And if now i, I gotta them, write a banger I mean, and put it on youtube <laughs> sorry say it again i was just joking i gotta write a banger on youtube and somehow slip it to him there you uh. go <laughs> i i don't know if you saw this quince or al but um i when the movie came out i shamelessly and quickly wrote and released a song called the bad guys um <laughs> <laughs> because my assumption was anybody coming to my Spotify to listen to stop, drop, roll would see that and be like, Oh, we must've missed this one. And you know, it, it certainly doesn't have millions of plays, but it got an inordinate amount for how much, uh, PR I put behind it. Um, and Pierre actually, you know, I sent it to him. I don't know. I guess the day it came out or maybe before. Did he like champion it or like, tweeted out or anything like that no he didn't do that but what he did do was respond very quickly and said i wish you had sent this to me six months ago uh and then he just said bad guys too question mark it was like yeah 100 <laughs> percent. like i want to i want to be on team pierre for the rest of my life man like let's try to lock down the big placements yeah, I would actually be very happy if they if they do a sequel. I, I think that we don't get enough kids movies that are like bridging into like heists or uh, detective films or stuff like that. We have just a couple or but it, it's often it's just like the same thing of like, oh, we need to stop the evil queen who is doing this thing and blah, blah. Zootopia. He Zootopia. apparently pitched it as um, he pitched it as Quentin Tarantino for kids, which I don't think the whole movie scratches that itch, but certainly that opening scene in the coffee shop is very like, you know, I love you, honey bunny type mm -hmm. thing. Um, where it just drops you right in the middle of the conversation over a cup of coffee. And anyway, outside of that, I think it's more Ocean's Eleven or something. But um, yeah, I I love the movie and watch it often because... I just need my daughter, who is only three, to know that her dad is freaking cool. Um, <laughs> even if she doesn't know it now, I need her to know it in a couple of years. Because once she's a teenager, there's nothing I can do. Like, everything I do will be stupid and lame. So i got to try and get my wins in early. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you're going to win when she does the take your dad to work day and you have to, like you're right next to the astronaut dude and you're like i'm a rapper kids and everybody's gonna be like oh my gosh oh shiz <laughs> and uh, i do email marketing which uh, is how many, 
Oh, go ahead. I got just a few random questions on, on other things within this. You know, how was it going to a movie premiere? You, I know you put on Facebook that you got to basically sit close enough to ZZ uh, Beats and mm-hmm. uh, oh. almost hold her hand. I, I'm, I'm down for that. Uh, it was rad. Like, I'm not going to lie and say that. It was like, yeah, no, it was cool. Like, it, it was really, really cool. Particularly, I just uh, was surprised at how well they treated us. Like, you know, we got there and... Yes, the song is in the opening scene, like it's a, a prominent song. Um, but at the end of the day, like hundreds of animators worked on that movie, uh, mm-hmm. all the voice actors, all the producers, like there's so, so, so much that goes into it. Uh, and from what I know, so much more effort than, you know, what we put into that song. Um, but I sat like next to him, uh, to the director. Uh, across the aisle, but like right there. Um, so we had great seats. We sat behind the producer. Oh no, I'm sorry. We sat behind the. Uh, I guess he wrote the screenplay or something, and the producer was a row in front of him. And then, yeah, Mark Marin and Anthony Ramos were right in front of the director. So like six feet away from me. Uh, Zazzy Beats was. Close by, but unsurprisingly, a little more elusive. Um, like I don't know, I, and I was too intimidated to be honest with you. It's like, yeah, she's fly. Like I, I don't know what to do about that. Um, but I met Mark Marin. I met Anthony Ramos. Uh, Anthony said he loved the song. Um, Mark said nothing. Uh, except on his podcast he did, which was pretty cool. He interviewed the author of the Bad Guys series, the books, mm-hmm. um, and said something to the effect of like, isn't the, mu- the music in the movie great? And the writer said, oh yeah, that opening scene, like that's got to be one of the best you know, opening scenes of a movie ever, I reckon. And Mark Maron's like, yeah, it's, it, it slaps, like it's good. So there you go. Anyway, it felt freaking cool. So you said we, and I know your group started with you and your partner, and now your partner is no longer a part of it. Is that correct? And yeah, he just, he's not into it anymore. Um, it's, you know, in the past, it was kind of painful, but, um, so it was me and a, another writer, Davey Hawkins, and for a lot of our early stuff, the same producer, this guy, Aaron Hatch. Um, and when we went to the premiere, it was Aaron and Davey and I, and then we all had plus ones. But yeah, that's the we that I'm referring to. But yeah, Davey, uh, at a certain point, was living in New York and I was living in LA, and he had a full ride to columbia for their like masters in fine art um and davy sculpts and davy does like public works projects and he paints and he does all kinds of stuff he's like a dyed in the wool real deal artist and i just like doing this like (laughs) 
It's my favorite thing I've ever done. There's other stuff that like I I dabble, although not in the arts so much. Like I, I pretty much stick to music and you know, even if I try to write a song with an acoustic guitar or something, it all always comes out like, yeah, I just want to put more syllables in there. Like I I just like rapping. It's like a, a puzzle to me. That's actually I had a question about your raps and like do you do you freestyle or what's like your writing process for getting your lyrics? Historically, my writing process is non-existent. Um, that's not true. I'm undercutting myself too much there. Um, but it's been really, really scattershot. Uh, and over the last like three months, I have been on the one and only writing tear of my entire career. Um, and now I'm sitting on something like 70 verses or maybe more at this point, actually. But um, so my process is, and, and this is kind of, I don't know, it's going to sound kind of trite and not that interesting, I suppose. But uh, I go over to my office every morning. I try to get there before eight o'clock. Um, so I wake up, make breakfast for the kids do all the stuff, get out the door, go to my office. Um, and then I meditate for about 10 minutes just to try and clear the slate a little bit and stop thinking about like, you know, errands that I have to run and just life things. Um, and then I'll take a beat and, <clears throat> um, yeah, just try and crank out 16 bars a day, uh, which is not that aggressive of a, you know, a writing prompt, but it's enough for me that like, I want to clear a certain bar when it comes to quality. Uh, and I find that past that it starts being like, I'm really phoning it in. And so now I'm sitting on all this, you know, lyrical material, but when it comes to actually like, all right, let's make a song that's about something. I don't run the, the production session. What I can do is I can play guitar. I can play bass. I can whistle, which is to say I come in with like a concept and it'll be like, okay, I want to do something that feels like, for instance, a spaghetti Western think Ennio Morricone, Sergio Leone, Kill Bill. Like these are my references. And all I have is the trumpet line in my head, and we're going to just build it out around that. So the producer will take that reference, put together, a they call it a demo, it's, it's just a stripped down version of the beat, and then say like, okay, before we go any further with this, why don't you take the demo, write out your lyrics, write a hook, and then we'll flesh it out, mix, master, and uh, send it to the distributor. So it's probably a little more info than you wanted, but that's more or less how it goes. Well, that's great. Yeah. We'll take it all. <laughs> Would you and Davey ever do another song since this movie? Has he been interested in doing another song since the popularity? Uh, not especially he right now. He is, um, the caretaker at an art exhibit in New Mexico called the lightning field. 
you know, Davey grew up in Reno, lived in San Francisco for a while. Obviously, Utah is where I met him. Then he moved to New York. All this to say, he spent a lot of time in cities and he's kind of a coyote. <laughs> like he just, he's hard to wrangle. He really likes doing his own thing. And um, when he talks about the lightning field, it just, I can tell like he's That's in awesome. love with Different. it and wants to do it for many years to come. So, yeah, I mean, he's, he's pumped about, pumped about the placement, pumped about, you know, people hearing the song, obviously the money, which I'm saying it like it's millions of dollars. It It's not, but you know, it's a good check for like one day to come in. So yeah, he's happy about it. He's happy for me. And you know, certainly there have been some some hard conversations over the years where it's like, well, we started this together and am I just going to go off and do it by myself? And, you know, I f feel a little weird about that or I have at times and he's felt raw about it at times. But uh, I think all that's pretty well in the past at this point. I've well, I'll say this last thing. I think it's all well settled and we just want each other to like go at what we want to do. So Al, have you listened to more of his music than just that? Oh yeah. Yeah. I've been throughout the, uh, throughout the week. I've been listening to some other ones. I actually have been a big fan of uh, scrape the sky. That's a great one. I was going to say we should draft his music. Um, uh, my other favorite of his is definitely uh, like uh, Toys for Boys. And even one of your newer ones, I love the uh, Friday. Oh, thanks. Um, Toys for Boys is like, I have such a conflicted <laughs> feeling about that song for whatever reason. Like that one was written almost on spec for Devin Supertramp. Like he hit me up. He said, we're doing these, this tricycle drifting video in New Zealand. Can you come up with something? And so this old, you know, perfect example of uh, what I just described about going to a producer. So I came to Aaron and I said, hey, look, he's doing this trike drifting video. I've actually always sort of thought it would be cool to sample like the uh, the Toys R Us theme song, which mm. uh, I don't know how old your listeners are, but I'm 37. So like it lives in my brain rent free. Um, <laughs> and you know, Aaron took that as a reference and obviously didn't sample it because that causes problems, but came up with something that sounded like it was played on a child's xylophone. Um, <clears throat> and I'm proud of it. And at the same time, it's like, I don't know. I think probably a lot of rappers just want to be like hardcore and cool. And Toys for Boys, like, I, I swung at an opportunity because I knew Devin was going to get millions of plays on it. So I'm saying it like, I don't like the song. I do like the song. However, I am more proud of scrape the sky. Like all three of them. Like, and I, I think I told this to you when I met you in person for the first time is that you have this kind of ska band rap. Uh, <laughs> I love the horns and I love the clean rap and I'm all for it. You know, that, that, that's why when you were telling me that you're having a mariachi 
What does mariachi have? Horns in it. Bring me more. I've made a living off the horns. Um, and it's funny, like real horn players uh, geek out about it so much because I almost always bring in session musicians uh, to do it. And normal folks can't tell if you don't like if you're not a horn player, you don't know if it's synth or not. But real horn players always are like, oh, you got like four guys in there. I was like, well, yeah, it's one guy actually that plays four things. But yes, we did use real horns. There's just something a little imperfect about it that real ones can detect. At least for now, until AI takes over. Yeah. Okay, so um, usually at the end, we do a... Um, and, or Al, do you have any more questions, I guess? Uh, or should we just go to the, the last part? Yeah, I think um, we'll, we'll kind of wrap up here at, at about this part. Uh, David, if I am an artist as well, and if you ever do want like a single to be, uh, you just want some art for it, I would be more than happy to. Uh, oh, let's you. go. Yeah, hey, I always, uh, I'm not a graphic guy at all. Like I will do something really weird and fun, and I'll I'll send you uh some of my my details on uh, online so that you can like check it out and be like oh okay let's let's see what kind of I, I draw a lot of like guts and stuff and like Pokemon <laughs> I dig it I dig it honestly man you know like I said I I'm so not graphic that anybody confident enough to say i am a graphic designer it's like you're hired so yeah. i'd love to take a look at it but i i can already tell you we'll be able to come up with something and yeah. david if you ever want some improv comedy that's all i can offer I'm gonna come hey, to that's freestyling. it's the same gift right <laughs> exactly um, i think one of you asked if i freestyle i do barely um never well enough to do it in public um because it really is, again, the same thing as with improv. Like, if you're thinking about what you just said or what you're about to say next, you're toast. You have to be like riding the lightning, just right in the middle. I say this all the time. Anytime, anytime freestyling comes up, it's like all of us know words that rhyme uh, and probably a lot more than we think we do. We just get so hung up on like, well, I don't want to sound stupid in front of people. And I, I'm totally guilty of that. Like, well, if I freestyle, I'm going to sound bogus. Uh, well, one of the greatest a- songs with the easiest rhymes, Girls by Beastie Boys. Yeah, buddy. Um, <laughs> just, you know, that's one of the, the first songs that my boys love. Uh, just because of the, you know, also, I think they kind of have that, um, you know, xylophone almost yep. tuned to it. And so... It's an easy one. I, th- I think the DC boys themselves regret writing it, but it's still fun to the rest of us. Sorry. While we're kind of winding down, where should our, our listeners check out your music and anything else that you might be involved in? Uh, anywhere that they check music out. So um, yeah, obviously it's all on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music. Um, and it's called You Can't Stop, Won't Stop. Can't stop, won't stop. My handle, my social handle on everything is at CSWS Music, CSWSmusic.com. 
whatever. I, I encourage you to check out the bad guys. That's a crash course in can't stop, won't stop. Certainly, that's fun fact, if I may. That's the first song we ever wrote or recorded was "Stop, Drop, Roll." Wow, um, which also was mind blowing to me because when we wrote it, just like anybody starting a new artistic endeavor, I was so embarrassed to show it to my friends. I was like, yeah, I don't know. We're doing this thing. It's like rap and whatever. And, uh, you know, my friends were mixed reviews. Like it's, it's not necessarily everybody's cup of tea, but real shocking to me that it was like, Oh wow. That is now our most successful song. Got it. That's crazy. Wow. That's, that's so awesome that you were able to hit it at that point. Like, did you have a, a big music background before then that you were like, Oh yeah, I perform at church or in uh, talent shows or other things. I'm, I'm sure that you probably did. I did. Yeah. I was always in choir and bands all growing up. Um, previously my favorite, claim to fame. <laughs> Although I've come to discover that a lot of people have done this. I sang at Carnegie Hall in a choir. So it's not like I was a soloist, but yeah, when I was in seventh or eighth grade, I was a, a lovely little male soprano. That was the, the previous highlight. Um, but yeah, always in bands um, and always like, you know, playing and singing guitar and whatever. So it's not new, but the hip hop thing is certainly like we took a swing on that one. <laughs> like, all right, can we do that? I don't know. Maybe. Well, um, I'm looking forward to any, any new songs that you put out. And I hope that you, uh, you do get, I hope that there is a, a bad guys too. And I hope that we get two songs from you in it, if not more. Thanks brother. Yeah. I, uh, we almost got two in the first one, but yeah, that was part of the, you know, the long COVID conversation. And you know, I, I think they were, what they told me was they were thinking about using stop, drop, roll at the beginning of the movie and my song up and away at the end, um, which I would have loved for that to have happened. But um, for whatever reason, they just decided to diversify the soundtrack a little more. So whatever hopefully the next movie um absolutely david it's been a pleasure having you on the show um, yeah real fun to talk to you guys uh keep in touch with me i would like i said i i would really be honored to uh to do some uh, you know i'm trying to break in more art everywhere that i can and so if you find a piece that you're like hey i need i need this single to have some some weird wacky art i would love to do it so mm, seriously. guts and blood yeah all right um, yeah. and thanks everybody for listening to another episode of the movies that move us including hawk talk listeners so have a great rest of your night thanks david yep good to good to talk to you guys thanks yep see ya